We are on Yavamos Tzadi Vav Amabez 96b, as today hopefully we will complete the 10th parak, a very big parak, a very big chapter in this tractate, as we move along in this tractate of Yavamos, and we'll begin the next chapter in the next recording. Uh, the Gemara right now sort of takes a turn, uh, and it discusses uh, really some other topic. Uh, it relates to c- different conversations that uh, different rabbis had and uh, deals with really a, uh, a different issue uh, from what we have been discussing until now. Not really related to Yevamos, uh, but some interesting interesting ideas come up. Okay, so the Gemara says as follows. Azal Rebelazar Amar Lashmaisa Rabbi Lazar, he said the teaching that we had in the last recording, we're not going to get into it right now, it's not relevant for this discussion, but he said it in the study halls, but he didn't say it in the name of the one who said it. He didn't say it in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, and in general, there's a we have an idea that a person, when they quote an idea, so then they have to say it in the name of uh, the person who said it. Uh, we even find in, in the Gemara, in the Talmud itself, uh, they don't just say it in the one who, in the name of the one who said it, but they say uh, they ha- they quote the whole. He said it to, to the following rabbi. Who said it to the following rabbi? Who said it to the following rabbi? Who said it to to me? Um, and we find that in the Talmud. It could be that you don't need to do that whenever you quote. If you find somewhere that they quote uh, another rabbi, another person, so you might not have to quote that source, which quotes the, the original person. Uh, in the Talmud, perhaps the reason why they do that, we have we find that a lot. Perhaps why they do that is because part of the Talmud is also to highlight the concept of Mesorah, of the tradition and uh, the link and the chain of Torah. And so it quotes everybody in between. Perhaps you don't have to do that uh, yourself, uh, but that is what the Talmud does. So anyways, Shema Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan finds out about this, that Rabbi Lazar said something in his name, uh, but he didn't quote him. Ikbid. He was very upset about this. Now we'll see. Rabbi Yochan was very upset. The Gemara will soon explain why was he so upset. It's true. Uh, he didn't quote it in his name, but is that a reason for a person to get upset about it? What happens? They're trying to cool him down. Rabbi Yochan is all upset. They try to cool him down. And they say, I don't understand. They say, they try to say, you know what, uh, there was a story about something, about a discussion which took place in uh, the synagogue in Tiberia. And there was a whole dispute about a certain, uh, about a certain law. And Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yossi, two rabbis, were, were arguing about it. And they were arguing about it to the point where, where, where a Sefer Torah, a Torah scroll, was torn as a result of it. So the Gemara says it was really torn as a result. Somebody actively tore the Sefer Torah. How could that be? They actually tore the Torah scroll. Because they were so angry, so therefore as a result, it wasn't that it was intentional, but because of their anger, a Torah scroll was actually ripped. So we see from here, because of their anger, they weren't just upset that they, were, they weren't just arguing about the law, but they became so angry that it caused the Torah scroll to to be torn apart. Not that they actively did it, but it ended up happening. So Rabbi Yossi, the son of Kisma, says that it must be 
that for this to occur, it must be taking place in a synagogue which originally was used for idol worship. We find elsewhere in the Talmud that anger is a form of idol worship, uh, which is on, on its deepest level. If a person uh, believes in God, that, uh, that God has hashkacha, is involved in our lives, and that all that happens in our lives, even though it's so hard to see how it comes from God, but ultimately it's coming from God, so that that should per- person at ease and not uh, get so upset and not get so angry. Uh, it's a very high level to reach. Uh, but ultimately, to, to get angry and to get mad and, and, and uh, to take out your anger, so that is a form of, uh, it's like idol worship. It's like you're not believing in the, the power of how God plays such an essential role in each and every person's life. And that's what it was. He said that this synagogue must have had idol worship, and that, so it was. They found out that really... It did have idol worship. Essentially, they were telling this Rabbi Yochan to say, you shouldn't get so angry that they didn't say it in your name because anger is not a good thing to have. But he responded back and he said, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> he got even more upset. He says, um, He says, what are you talking about? In that story, it was a story about uh, two people, Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi. And they were friends with each other. They were from the same... Generation, and so they had a dispute. And fine, it makes sense that they shouldn't get angry. But Rabbi Lazar is my student, and my student is saying something not in my name. I was the one who originally said it, and he's not quoting me. That's a reason to get upset for those two rabbis in the story that you just mentioned. They were just uh, colleagues, they were of the same age, same generation, so they shouldn't get upset. But I should get upset that my own student doesn't quote me. So now somebody else goes along and tries to sort of calm Rabbi Yochanan down. Goes, he, he says the following to him. The verse says in Joshua and Yoshua that just as God commanded Moshe, so did he so did Moshe command Yoshua. And that's what Yoshua did. He did not leave anything out which Moshe told him. He didn't leave anything out. So the 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 Talmud the this uh, Rabbi Rabbi Yaakov he says I'll call Davar Shemir Yeshua Hayo Omer Lehem Kach Omer Li Moshe Yeshua whenever he said anything did he did he always say oh and this is something that Moshe told me no Ela Yeshua Yosha B'Dor Ishtam V'Akol Yodim Shetoros Rosh Hamoshi He After Belazar Tamid Chay Yosha B'Dor Ishtam V'Akol Yodim Kishal Chahi says no Yeshua would explain the Torah and it would be obvious to everybody that he got it from his teacher he got it from Moshe. He doesn't even have to state it. So too, your student. Rabbi Lazar, the reason why he didn't quote you was because he's your student and it's obvious that this is something that you said. Even though it wasn't a direct quote, he did not mention your name, but everybody knows that he's your student and everybody knows that when he says something, it's coming from you. And that's how he tries to calm Rabbi Yochanan down. Amr Lahem. So after he's calmed down, uh, Rabbi Yochanan now says to the first two who came to him, he says, He said to them, I don't understand. Why, why couldn't you say the same thing that the second person said? Why, uh, why, why did you come up with this other story? You should have said what he said. And the Gemara also says, Why was Rabbi Yochanan so upset? Rabbi Yochanan, my time out cup at Kulehai. Why was he so, so upset? Rav says, What does it say in the verse? I will dwell in your tent in worlds. It says it in the plural, in worlds. 
Is it actually possible for a person to exist in two worlds simultaneously? This is coming from King David. King David is saying, Hashem, let it be your will. That they will say uh, laws in my name. I want people to continue to say laws in my name. Why? The Amar Rabbi Yochanan, the same Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Anybody, any Torah scholar who is no longer alive and they continue to share his Torah, it's like his lips are moving in the grave. It's like he's, he's, his, he has a lasting impact on the world. They're still quoting him and so it's like he's still alive. Obviously, he's not alive, but the the impact that he had that they have are still are still existing. They're still alive. He's continuing to exist. He's continuing to be alive. Amar Bitzak ben Zira v'tima Shimon Zira. My crowd. Similarly, these rabbis they say, "What's the idea in the verse?" V'chikech kiyen hatov holech l'dodi l'meisharim dovev sifsei yishenim. That the verse says in Shir Hashirim, "The roof of your mouth is like the best wine." Comes down smoothly for my for my uh, loved one, moving gently the lips of those who are asleep. Kikomer shalanovim, it's like uh, a pile of grapes. Makomer shalanovim, kimas shemineach adam etzbo alav miyad dovei v'avcham yidachacham kimich omrim davar shmuah mipiem balamazesus sosayim dovos pakever. Just like when it comes to a pile of grapes, you put your finger on it, it moves, and the wine goes through the whole the whole pile. So too when we quote ideas from our teachers that the teachers are no longer alive. Um, their lips continue to move, just like the grapes they burst open to, to their their mouths continue to speak in the grave. And that's why Rabbi Yochanan was so upset. Rabbi Yochanan was so upset because he wanted that uh, they would continue to quote him, not just now while he's alive, but even after he passes away, so that it's attributed to him, so that he would continue to live, not just live, but uh, have the eternal life, to have... Uh, Life in in the next world, and so that's why that's why he was so upset. Okay, that's the story there. The Gemara now returns back uh, to the Mishnah. The Mishnah pointed out at the very end of the Mishnah that what defines a katan. We've been discussing the, all the laws about a, a minor. What defines a minor? It's either somebody who's nine years old, uh, up to thirteen, or even if they're beyond the age of thirteen, even if they're up to the age of twenty, as long as they don't have never had pubic hairs, they haven't reached puberty yet, so then they're also viewed halachically as a minor. So the word says, I understand, what exactly is going on with this 20-year-old up to the age of 20? Uh, so the word says, well, we have the following source that says that if somebody who's 20 years old who doesn't have, uh, didn't reach puberty yet, they don't have two pubic hairs, so they have to bring a proof uh, that they are uh, 20. They have to bring a proof that they're 20 and that they are people who cannot have children. They're, they're a person who cannot have children. Once uh, they cannot have children, once we are proved that they cannot have children, so then they are exempt from doing yibum or chalitza. Similarly, says the Brisa, Bas Esrim Shana Shaloi V'Eshtesaris, Avir Rayashi Bas Esrim V'Alanis, if, if it's regards to a woman, if she's of the age of 20 and she doesn't have any pubic hair, 
So as long as she brings a proof that she's 20 years old and she's not able to have children, she's not able to reach puberty, she has the signs for somebody who hasn't, doesn't reach puberty, so then they, such a person is viewed as now, uh, as somebody who will never reach puberty, and they're viewed as an adult, and they won't do chalitza, and they won't do yibam. What's, what's the Gemara bring this down for? Because it's a contradiction to our Mishnah. How is this a contradiction to our Mishnah? Because our Mishnah said that whether you're 9 or whether you're 20 years old, uh, if you don't have tw- uh, as a twenty year old, if you don't have pubic hair, so then you're still viewed as a child. You're still viewed as a minor. Uh, that's if uh, that's if you don't have pubic hair. However, um, over here we just quoted the brisa, which seems to imply that no, that once you reach twenty, if you don't have pubic hair, so then you're an adult. You're viewed halachically as an adult because we don't assume you'll ever go and reach puberty again. Uh, so, which one is it? Are you an adult or are you a minor once you reach 20? So, like, my answer is, Even at the age of 20, in order for you to be viewed as an adult and not as a minor anymore, you have to have some signs of being a sris, some signs of being somebody who cannot have children. Besides for the fact that you don't have pubic hair, it has to be some other sign that says that, uh, that shows that um, they are not able to have children. These are different signs that we've actually discussed in the past. Different types of signs that show that they're not able to have children. It's even. It seems to be that even it's even stated in the Brisa. You have to bring a proof that you're a Swiss. You have to show and prove that you are somebody who's not able to have children. Besides for the fact that you do not have pubic hairs, you have to also bring some other proof. So in the end of the day, essentially, if you're of the, if the, such a person is of the age of twenty. So if they could prove that they're not able to have children through some some signs other than pubic hair, so then they're viewed as an adult. They're viewed as never going to be able to have uh, reach puberty. And so therefore they're viewed as an adult already. Uh, however, if they don't have these signs, so then we still assume that they are a minor and that they might have signs, uh, they might uh, reach puberty later on. So the Gemara says, I understand. ad kama. So how far do we take this? Let's say they never have pubic hairs, but they also don't can't prove whether or not uh, they'll be able to have children in the future. So how far do you take this? Until the majority of a person's life, because we assume that the average person, the Gemara assumes, will live till 70. So the majority is 36 years. Once you reach 36, even though you don't have any signs that you're not able to have children, if you haven't been able to have children, if you haven't, reached puberty yet, you haven't had pubic hairs yet, so then we assume that you're an adult. So essentially there's different stages. 13 is when you are an adult with, uh, together with uh, having puberty, you have pubic hairs. If you don't have any pubic hairs, so then it's until the age of 20. Uh, however, it's only until the age of 20 if you have other signs to say that uh, you're not able to have children. If you don't have any other signs, then it's until the age of 36. So related to this, when they came to Rava to ask about somebody who has reached the ages of, have, if they reached the age of maturity or not, or did they not develop signs, he said as follows, if the person is thin, he would say to them as follows, uh, go and fatten him up so that we're able to tell whether or not they're able to have children. If the person was healthy, so then he would say, go make them thin. Because the honey simanim zimnin denasri machmas shushua zimnin denasri machmas briusa. Because sometimes uh, it's hard to tell whether or not they're able to have children or whether or not they're going through puberty, depending on whether they're thin or whether they're heavier. And so he basically would tell them to do the opposite, opposite so that uh, they'll develop signs of maturity. 
um, and we'll know whether or not uh, they're able to have children or not. So in the end of the day, this is the end of the Gemara, we've concluded this, uh, this parak, this chapter. In the end of the day, we have different uh, time periods. We have 13, 12 or 13, depending if you're a boy or a girl. Uh, and so then that's when you have become a halachic adult for most people. If they're not able to have reached puberty, so then it's until the age of 20, as long as they can prove that they're not able to have any children. If they can't prove that, so then once they reach the age of 36 and they haven't had pubic, uh, reached puberty yet, so then uh, they become an adult at the age of uh, 36. Just uh, parenthetically, this is an idea that we've mentioned perhaps in the past and, and a while ago. Why is it that puberty is a reflection of adulthood, even though they could be of the age of 20 or of 36? And so it's a sign, puberty is a sign that you're able to have children and you're able to raise children, you're able to develop and, and raise children. And so that's really the sign of adulthood. It's not just an age. We don't go based on age alone, but we go on physically as, a, as your body. Are you able to be responsible for another? Are you able to be responsible for another? Could you care for another? And that's ultimately the sign of an adult, a true adult, a halachic adult, is somebody who reached a certain age, but besides for that, they've also... Um, have the ability to care and love uh, another person. Okay, this concludes our chapter, and we'll continue with the next chapter in the next recording.